interesting fellow, your friend. Well, I won't take much of your time. Parker, now I remember you. You're Connor's student. Tells me you're brilliant. He also tells me you're lazy. Trying to do better. You know, being brilliant's not enough, young man. You have to work hard. Intelligence is not a privilege, it's a gift. And you use it for the good of mankind. I'm Griffin. I'm Molly. And we're going into the Superverse. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Into the Superverse. We are continuing our Spider-Man marathon with one of the greatest comic book movies of all time, Spider-Man 2 from 2004. With Doc Ock. Oh yeah, baby. And of course, Hello, if Peter. <laughs> yeah, if you've kept up, if you've listened to our episodes, and more likely if you've watched the No Way Home trailer, you know why this movie is getting getting talked about again. Should we just get right into it? Or any any uh general thoughts? We're um, two years after the first movie, and that's about it seems the same timeline as the characters as well. Yeah, I will say I tend to forget about the time jump, um, you know, coming off of like the MCU is so like the time works differently in the MCU. It feels like we're like seeing most of everything that happens and the, the gaps are usually explained. So it's kind of nice to be like, yeah, it's been two years. Uh, like everybody's been up to something. Their lives are moving along and let's like kind of check in and see where we're at. And for some people, it's it's not so hot. You know what is consistent, though? And not just in these two movies, but in all of the Spider-Mans, Peter is so unreliable and late. Oh, yeah. And that's not just in this, although they, they obviously play it up a lot, especially in this movie. Um, He's an unreliable lad. Yeah. You know? uh, Dr. Connors. Uh, Calls him out. The pizza guy. I mean... And MJ, obviously, he's making nobody happy. Um, but yeah, I think I think we can just kind of hop right in. I mean, he, Peter Parker should be like starring in a rom com, and like the tagline in the trailer is like, "Peter, you can't have it all," because that's like the vibe of this oh, yeah. movie. I mean, like, he's literally monologuing to himself, being like, "Should I not have what I want? I hate what I that need stuff." I know it's very much of the time, got, I he, guess. He got too into poetry. That's the problem. I suppose. That's what I like to imagine. He He's reading these poetry books and he's like, I can do this. So he's practicing to himself while staring out the window wistfully. Dr. Um, Connors is really sassy, though. He really is. And I actually recently saw a meme on the... Raimi memes subreddit the what like sam Raimi Raimi memes <laughs> i know it's easier uh typed out than than spoken but that's all just memes concerning this spider-man trilogy and there was one with dr connor's saying like then be here and peter being like i'm trying to be here and everyone's like like dr connor's you gotta understand this guy is paying his way through school he's got side jobs He's got other obligations <laughs> like, you know, cut him some slack. But then again, if he's perpetually if he's been perpetually as late as he is in this movie for the past two years, then 
Yeah, and, and if he burning up his goodwill. He hasn't turned in papers, like Yeah. I mean he's gotta get his shit together. He kinda obviously. needs that. If he wants to stay in school and do all of this. Yeah. He's just giving him the kick in the pants. Um you know who's so fucking serious in this movie? Oh, I know. Harry. Yes. Harry and his one note obsession about the bug. James Franco is like on the verge of tears for most of this movie, and he's like very serious. He's like in his own movie, he which is. is kind of accurate for like Harry. Harry's in his own world. I mean, that man has been, I guess this is his way of grieving his father's death, and he's been doing it for two years. Yeah, and I guess like shitting on Peter every time. Yeah, no wonder Peter doesn't return his calls. He just <laughs> hassles him about Spider-Man every time. I mean, I do feel like if if they are best friends like that and like James and Harry's like, yeah, this dude killed my dad and you're like taking pictures of him. Like that's shitty. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. I mean, obviously, it's way worse. Yeah. The reality, but if that was all it was, like... Right. Yeah, you would think that they would come to some sort of arrangement. But then again, Harry also has, like, this streak about him that really shows itself in well, this. So unrational or irrational. Incredibly. Yeah, I have some more notes on that later that we can kind of get to as we go through. Because um, his character is very different now. Um... But to start off, I would just like to say that I really like the opening credits of this. And that's not something that I get to say very often because we don't get like those big like opening title crawls. But this one was really cool because it crawls? just... Crawls? Oh my god. Spider crawls? Between this, the last episode had some good unintentional puns too. It's just ripe with them. Um... It just sums up the first movie and it's done through like these really cool looking painted images and I just appreciated it. It kind of feels like that, uh, you know, if, if you hadn't seen the first one, you could just point to these pictures and be like, well, here are your characters. Here's everything that happens. You're good to go in like two minutes. And then I believe the first thing we get is the pizza time. Yes, under 30 <laughs> minutes or it's 29, free. 29 minutes, which is just so much more specifically like <laughs> funny. that is a terrible business model. I mean, I guess at the time wasn't what was Domino's Domino's had that, right? Was it free if they didn't do it in 30 minutes or less? I think so. Um, let me see if I can fact check. Maybe it wasn't Domino's, but I think one of the other chains like, that is not something that you are going to get these days. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think for a while, at least, you know, back in like the 80s, there was a 30 minute or less guarantee. But it was, of course, causing all kinds of problems like the delivery drivers were like driving super recklessly and they caused dozens of traffic accidents. Also, like, what's the radius? Like, it seemed like Peter, the one that Peter was doing was, like, across town, like... Yeah. Like, he, can't, he said 42 blocks. I mean, I guess he was late, so it should have been... I don't think I, you can get 42 blocks no matter what time you left 
like in 30 minutes. And he did it in what? Seven minutes or he was slightly over. Let's say, I don't let's know. say nine. And he was swinging doing it. If he was on a bike. There's no way. But I do like that guy who sees Peter go into an alley, come back out as Spider-Man. And now his lifelong impression of Spider-Man is that he saw him presumably beat up a guy in a back alley and take off his pizza. He's a, he's J Jonah Jameson's biggest fan now. And we get, um, Emily Deschanel. Yeah. What a, what a cameo from her. Um, we were actually watching this with my sister who was a huge bones fan. So she was doing a bit of trivia searching and this started the year right before Bones. So I wonder what that timeline looked like. And she's hilarious. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She's in it for one minute. The perfect person for that role. Um, And, of course, I think Peter ending up in the janitor's closet is a very funny bit that I feel like they play out a little bit too long with the brooms falling over, but it's also just completely absurd. And she doesn't ask any questions. even though that is literally impossible for him to have gotten in there. <laughs> Not important. No. I do. She's like, I know you're Spider-Man. <laughs> so what? So what? The pizzas are still it's late. Free. Um, I already mentioned the Raimi meme subreddit, but I got to say every second of this movie, every quote has been memed to hell and back. So it is very funny to see them in their original environment now. Give us an example. Um, There are approximately 800,000 YouTube poops, which are just like kind of comedic edits of stuff. Many of them are entirely based on Spider-Man 2. So I've seen or I rather heard the lines pizza time. He humiliated me by touching me, (laughs) among others, just plastered onto other scenes throughout the series and other franchises. That uh, one's rough. So it's really hard for me to separate them. And of course, there's plenty from the third one as well. Um, but so it's kind of funny. It, it gives it two layers now when I, whenever I hear these quotes. I have a suggestion for Peter. So he's like stressed because he's, he's working or trying to work. He's in school. He's being Spider-Man. He doesn't have any money for rent. He's also worried about his Aunt May, who also doesn't have any money. Maybe he should move back home and help her out instead of, like, trying to keep this apartment that he can't keep in the city. That's just a suggestion. You would think. You would think. But I gotta say, like, I, I kind of empathize with him here because at this point, he's only two years in to living on his own, maybe slightly longer since him and Harry got that apartment in the first movie. And yeah, I guess they're not living together anymore, but you know, he's still what? 20 years old. And I feel like you're at that point where you're like, I don't want to admit defeat. Yeah. But it's also like he would be helping her out. I mean, so it's like, you know, I totally understand. And I think if someone was to say that to him in universe, he probably would do it, but he's a stubborn guy. Like, Aunt May needs the help. Aunt May shouldn't be living on her no, own. No, she shouldn't. Get her into an assisted living home. No, go live with her. Or that. 
<laughs> one of them is way more affordable than the other. But this, I will say, this Aunt May in this movie is intense. She's in a bad place. Like, she just seems so um, evolved in the first one and, like, had really good advice and, like, you know, don't blame yourself, Peter, that kind of attitude. And in this one, she's like, let's play with her character. Like, I don't know. It was just a lot. Well, it is a lot. But I also think it's interesting because, like, to me, it makes a lot of sense that she would no longer be in the same place. Like, she's just been, like, not only, like, did Ben die, it's just been, we can assume two years she's just been like struggling and Peter's off doing his own thing. So she's just like alone all the time, probably getting a little bitter. And it's like, it's sad to see because she was like such a strong, like kind person. She still is, but like you said, she's a lot more intense and it's not like fun to see her like that. But I also think, everyone's really put through the ringer in this. Yeah, I guess she's, she's no exception. That's true, but yeah, I guess that is true. I was going to say, they don't really do that with anyone else, but they are, they're doing it with Harry and with Peter. And I think it's just like, it's more shocking to see her like that because we already saw like some of the dark sides of these other characters, but not so much her. Um, I'm kind of on to him being back at the Daily Bugle and there's like a brief scene there. So it's just like the standard stuff. Uh, it's still Jameson doing Jameson things. We get a couple lines and facial expressions from this other guy at the Bugle, Robbie, who seems like he's like another higher up editor who is sympathetic to Spider-Man which makes it seem that that seems like a hostile work environment for someone that likes Spidey. Um, but I, I like that we're getting like a bit more fleshed out character from those other people at the bugle. And I also really like that Betty is like friends with Pete now. Friendly. Well, yeah, but like she knows his name. Like it's just, it feels like very intentional because of the, the time that we see them speak in the first movie, she's just like completely unimpressed like she's like I'm he says I'm Pete and she doesn't even respond and it's just like you know do your thing so now it's like clearly there's still problems but she was nice enough that like they are friendly she gave him an advance which is like maybe not the best move because obviously he wasn't going to get it back but I just like that that happened that's not how advances work well not saying because like yeah okay never mind but you know what I mean? Like, it's it's cool that they kind of evolved that off screen. We didn't have to see it. Yeah, they're just showing, like, relationships have been existing for, like, yeah. the last two years. And part of that is also his conversations with MJ. So, like, we left off in the first movie with MJ, like, burying her heart to Peter and him being like, I'm good. I'm really busy right now with, like, other stuff. Yeah. So, no thank you. Um, and so she tells him that she's dating someone and his response is more than companionship. I'm sure that's one of the YouTube poops as well. I, I am sure. 
But like, like, he seems shocked that she wants to be in a relationship and the relationship is more than just companionship. Like, what the hell did you She's think she 20. was talking about? Yeah, like, I don't... What is your interpretation of adult relationships, Peter? Because clearly it's not the same as hers. Yeah, I, he is just so frustrating in terms of their relationship. Well, in, in everything, but especially every conversation that he has with MJ is just like, you are not understanding. Like, I think it's so disrespectful. Like, yes, I understand it's hard for him because he's like choosing Spider-Man over this and he's like making a smart decision, but then make that decision and live with it and don't punish MJ for it. Right. Like he, or like toy with her. He's stringing her on so much. It was bad enough in the first movie. Now it's a billion times worse. Like, the minute that she hinted that she was in a serious relationship and then later on when she gets engaged Which to this guy. Which seems premature, but okay. For sure. But like, step off. Just have some... Be happy for let her. Let her have her agency. Because you said you couldn't do it, so don't do it. And didn't really give her an explanation. Yeah, and if you're going to turn around and say, never mind, I want to do this, then spit it out. Of course, that's his whole thing of like not being able to spit it out. But it's just there's so many scenes in this movie where he's just stepping in it. And I'm like, she does not deserve this. One bit that I do like in this movie is all of the landlord stuff. Oh, yeah. The landlord guy being like rent and that shitty like apartment situation where they have to like share a bathroom and like a telephone um, and then the daughter, who, this is a Harry Potter reference, but she's, like, moropey, like, cleaning all of the dishes and doing everything for the dad and just seems so sad and just wants um, Peter, for unknown reasons, um, to <laughs> like her. But, yeah, it's such a great addition. Uh, uh, that guy pops up in all the, the YouTube poops and pretty much everything. Mr. Ditkovich. And one of the first shots that we get of him is he, he's talking about how he's not going to stop hounding Peter for rent. And the camera zooms in on his face and his like eyes are bugging out. And he looks terrifying, terrifying, very effective. And but not actually because he could have evicted Peter already for right. sure. He's like actually being a nice person, it seems. Yeah, he's definitely cutting him a lot of slack. So, yeah, we start to get this stuff about um, Otto. First, we hear f about him is from um, Dr. Connors because Peter's writing a paper about the kind of stuff that he's working on. And my question about this scene, because Harry is the one that introduces Peter to Otto, is when did Harry get smart? And how did he get this cushy job at Oscorp? Because his dad died after... He already got kicked off the board. No. So his dad stayed on the board because he murdered the rest of the board. Miles Green Goblin. And so they never fired him. Okay. And Harry just inherited the business. And Harry, it has proven once again that he is not that smart. He's just plain businessman. And is I mean, like. He does. All he does is talk about Nobel Prizes and paying the bills. Yeah. I think, like, he's been learning how to run the company for the last two years and is literally in the same position as his dad, like, 
it's not going well, so he needs this thing to, like, show that he can run it, basically. I mean, that's my interpretation of it. Yeah, I guess I, I only had this question because, like, they never really go into detail about, like, what his role is in Oscorp. Oh, um, I think he's, like, running it. I thought he was just, like, head of one of the divisions, but maybe that's just, like, the job that he took. But you're probably right. I, I just didn't think about that. And he's the fucking worst. He's, like, so privileged and so condescending and is like, I've got money, so you've got to listen to me, okay? Like... And with Octavius, it's, like, interesting because Octavius is also kind of annoying because he's so, has, like, such a big ego on him that I'm, like, th these two, like, working together was always going to be a bad idea, I think. Yeah. <laughs> There's too much ego in one room. Neither of them, like, was going to check the other, really. Well, they're, they are checking each other, but, like. Not in a productive way. Right. Like, it's, yeah, in the worst possible fashion. I will say this for Harry, though. I appreciate his motivation for green energy. He's like, this is the future. Green energy, like renewable energy. It's true. Um, you wouldn't expect someone like him to really be into that. Like, he's got a vision, you know? Even in the Spider-Man game, uh, you know, we don't have Harry as a character actively, but the, all the side quests that you do that involve him are about cleaning up pollution, like what? air pollution in the city. A lot of that's supposed to be, like, his mom, right? Yeah. But, yeah, like, either way, he's, he's interested in carrying it on, which is cool. Oh, I had one other note, like, before we get into, like, this whole, obviously, the, the accident and Otto becoming Doc Ock. And I'm not sure when this, when we missed this, but they have this surprise party for Peter and afterward, which is like, fine, you know, nothing to note. It's we get it's, it's three like the, people. Right. Which is that's literally the only people that Peter knows. Um, he and MJ have this conversation, which I'm just retreading kind of because you were talking about the companionship thing. But like that was an insane conversation, like every single line of dialogue. I was like, nobody has ever spoken like this ever. Those, I mean. I think is it <laughs> It was bizarre. Yes, I'm I'm agreeing with you because I think that matters for this movie. Like none of the lines are good. So I'm always surprised when people are like, it's the best movie, and I'm like, it is a fun movie and I enjoy watching it, but like also people make fun of it all the time because the dialogue's so bad. Yeah. Like some of it is okay, but these long scenes of back and forth dialogue. I'm just like, this does not, this does not work. No one has had a conversation that sounds like this, <laughs> but that's kind of besides the point. Cause like you said, that's, that's everything in all of these movies. But I think it's especially the MJ and Peter scenes. Yeah. It is not natural dialogue. And this is, I didn't even write this down, but like a general thing that they kind of retconned in this movie was MJ's like, Peter's my best friend. Like he's my best friend and like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you only started talking to him two years ago. Like, yeah. yes, you guys grew up next door to each other, but you guys didn't speak to each other. He just had a weird, creepy crush on you that you knew about and ignored Yeah, for 
10 years. Yeah, they make it sound like they've been friends since childhood. And I think that's what they wish they'd established, I guess, in the first one, which I would prefer. Like, that is a much better story, I think. Yeah, that would be way more natural. And it would kind of make, like, the... Like, him not making a move make more sense. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, But, yeah, before Octavius becomes Doc Ock, he is sitting down with Peter and his wife and talking about, like, how they met, giving advice... But he's also, like, Peter brings up, like, a valid point about the math, basically. Or, like, you know, if this does go wrong, like, it could be really bad. And he's just like, don't worry, I've done the math. And I'm not, you know, a science expert by any means. But you would think that somebody would double check the work that's being done. Like, they wouldn't just go forward with this. Yeah, just one guy. In his house, first of all, which is weird. And then, like, playing with fusion, like, there's so many things about this that are uh, not logical. No. And I think you're right that he has an ego and his, I I think, obviously, he is a smart and extremely capable scientist, but I also think he's super arrogant. Like, it is a privilege, and you're going to lose that. Right. Despite... All of our talk about his arrogance and ego, which are clearly there. I did have a note um, just kind of comparing this auto to the one that we see in the game. And I think their difference in characterizations are interesting because while this auto clearly thinks that he can handle it all himself and that nothing could possibly go wrong because he did the work and he's if you asked him, he's probably the smartest person that he knows. He seems like a good person, like, you know, besides just having like a bit of an ego and stable. And the Doc Ock that we get in the game has like a lot of personal problems that are driving him to create the arms. And that's also something different. Like in the game, that was his life's work is kind of creating these prosthetics that can. Yeah, because he has he's. He has like a condition where he's, yeah. yeah. Um, And you could see that he clearly had a lot of like emotional issues and was lashing out and had a lot of vendettas towards the Osborns. And I think um, that makes Otto a bit more of an engaging villain, like knowing that this stuff was there versus in this, it's, you know, basically boils down to the, the artificial intelligence of the arms taking over his mind. Yeah, is there even, like, this receptor thing in the games that's supposed to be, like, blocking the AI from taking over his brain? I'm trying to remember. Because I I don't think there is, because they do set up all of this stuff in the beginning of him, like, hating Osborne and, like, wanting to get revenge, essentially. Or it seems like that. Because he has all those like video or voice recordings that you listen to. So there was a problem because there were neural implants affecting his mind, but which is similar to this. But yeah, like there was all this backstory where he had been fired um, by Osborne, I think, or he like he was a co-founder of Oscorp and then left because he didn't like how Norman was conducting business, and then. 
they were operating on grant funding and Norman became mayor and shut down their grant funding. So he was being like pummeled by Osborne. So that was kind of like if he had the means to take revenge, he would. And then the neural implants really let him act yeah. on it. It like put him over the brink where this seemed more like he was not like, I wouldn't say he was so stable because like it, when they're like, you have to shut it down. He's like, no, it's fine. Like I've got this, like there is something there that's like maybe not the most stable, but you're right that there's not like all of this under, um, under the surface stuff. That he, yeah. like, had a... He didn't seem like an angry or, like, vengeful person. Correct, yeah. So this scene and... I mean, the, the scene where he basically becomes Dr. Octopus and the scene where he's in the hospital are both pretty terrifying. Yeah, and we also talked about this after the movie a little bit, how... The whole, like, premise of this is, like, oh, we're, like, harnessing, like, fusion something or other, like, technology. Oh, also, I have these arms that I'm going to use to, like, do it. Like, that the arms are not, like, the science that's being revealed. He just happens to have them. And it's, like, a side note. Yeah. like yeah. It's, like, a footnote. NBD. Oh, and, yeah. like, there's this little receptor thing, too, that I created to block AI from entering my mind but i can enter it with my mind like there's so much technology happening that they're like yeah i just i just threw this together i imagine uh an alternate reality where this demonstration was successful and he starts getting questions about the arms and the ai chip he's like we're not here to talk about this like i don't give a shit about that no i whipped it up in my garage last night i mean i don't think there's really much like real science being like used in this movie because i like no, 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 I, I was just thinking about like if this was like fusion like renewable energy like why does it have a magnet like i don't know it was just very odd i and it also seems like there should not have been anybody within a hundred feet of like an active like nuclear fusion that has the power of thing. the sun and he's the only one wearing uh ppe goggles yeah yeah, they're all in like literally in an apartment building. <laughs> and obviously this is this proves to be dangerous because his poor wife gets brutally killed in the aftermath. Yes, that was awful how they did that. I don't even want to talk about it. Go watch the movie. Yeah, a lot of there's a lot of screaming in this movie. I, I just kind of had that note like between that and. MJ spends the better half of the second half of this movie <laughs> screaming her lungs out. I'm just like, my my voice would would be gone <laughs> after a day of shooting on this if I had that part. And you were about to talk about the hospital scene and Sam Raimi. Yeah. Flexing. I cannot believe that he was permitted to put a movie, uh, a scene this scary in this movie. They knew, uh, I think, the target audience, um, but he basically just put a scene straight out of a horror movie you don't actually see anything though. no but it's still terrifying as is like they don't you don't really need to see it you know guys getting his face grabbed by the claws uh that woman that was scratching the floor with her fingernails as she's getting pulled into the shadows by the arm i always thought somebody was gonna get killed with the chainsaw because they you know they bust out the medical grade chainsaw 
as one does <laughs> at the OR. It also feels like Venom. Venom from the Tom Hardy movies um, where he's like talking to the arms and they're like making decisions almost collaboratively during mm-hmm. the movie. And like that's how it feels like Tom Hardy and Venom. He's like talking to them and they're like, okay, we will kill this person. We won't kill this person kind of <laughs> thing. Or like, okay, this is our plan a little bit. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting. Of course, like that the hospital scene is what happens when he's not talking to them. They're yeah. just like functioning completely on their own. Right. He's like not even awake really. Um and yeah, I guess I had this question kind of similar to Goblin, but how much of it is really auto? Yeah, I mean, it's so similar that I I don't know where one begins and the other ends, and it's not really any more cleared up. And I, I guess like, it's not that important. Like Yeah, it's just like I don't Cause like yeah, we see him make a decision at the end that we assume is like the real auto. Yeah, but we also don't know like did he try at some point like during his rampage to to reason with them or did he just kind of go along with it at some point? Yeah, and I, he's obviously like also in grief, so like there's that too. Yeah, like, like he's, he's not thinking clearly anyway. Do we know? And maybe they said this, but do we know how much time passes during this movie? I mean, honestly, it seems like a a good bit because we have Spider-Man stopping being Spider-Man. And that seems like it's months. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like maybe six months. That sounds about right. Um, I forgot that there was some stuff in between the two auto scenes, though. That's like all the play business happens before the um, factory thing. But... um, so I don't know if you want to go back to that. Yeah. I had a couple of things. Yeah, we can we can scoot backwards. The bit with the usher, who's Bruce Campbell, who is Sam Raimi's buddy from the first one also. He plays the usher, who's like being an asshole kind of to Peter. That, to me, is the most accurate thing from this movie. Is <laughs> That is exactly how Broadway ushers are, in my opinion. They are take their job very seriously and do not... You don't fuck with them. No exceptions. No exceptions. Great little bit for him. I just, all that just to be like, you can't come in. Fix your shoelaces, fix your tie. He was super late. It wasn't like, oh, I got there like five minutes late. Like, I have this note later and maybe I'll say it again, but I'll at least say it now. It's like, why does it have to be all or nothing? Like, if you want to be Spider-Man, you didn't have to go do that one. Like, you can just get the next crime that happens. Like, I mean, I guess that's, like, the whole thing with, like, the Uncle Ben lesson was, like, I chose not to act then, so now if I have the opportunity to act, I have to. So I guess I'll take myself out of that criticism, but I'm. it is frustrating because I'm, like, just make the decision tonight to go to be Peter and then tomorrow night, make the decision to be Spider-Man. Like, I don't know. Right. And I'm sure it's like a hard choice because you're like, what if something happens? But that's like, you just have to be, if you want both ways, then that's the chance that you have to be willing to take. And I don't think he understands that. And I also think he just doesn't have any impulse control. Yeah. I do think that, well, one, I forgot that 
he's like dealing with this whole like anxiety thing, which is affecting his powers. Like I kind of forgot that that was in this movie. Um, and that he, at one point he has to ride an elevator as Spider-Man. And that is so funny to me. But then as with almost every funny joke in this movie, it goes on like one beat too long. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it was really funny. And then you had to like make a weird joke about like it itching. Like the, your the butt rides up in a crotch. That's still funny, but I agree. It was funny, but then it was like, it yeah. went too far. It lasted like a minute too long. Still good though. It was really funny though. How do you feel overall about that plot? Like the whole like losing his powers and then deciding to not be Spider-Man plot. I think it's kind of bullshit that it can just like disappear and then come back. Yeah. Like, I think the whole point is like when he first gets the powers is like, there's nothing he can do about it. Like he just has them. I do like that. He makes an, a decision to like not be Spider-Man, but I don't, I think the whole thing where it's like, well now I don't have my eyesight or like all that stuff. And I'm like tripping. Like, I'm, I don't know. Like all that just seems like it wouldn't go away, but I do think anxiety plays a huge role in it. And like anxiety can cause like pretty serious, like things to happen with your body. Yeah. You so. just like completely regressed. Yeah. I don't know if this is based on a comic or not. I feel like it probably sure was it an early comic, but you know, I agree that it seems weird, but I'm not, I guess I shouldn't argue about the, the specifics of spider based powers. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, I don't, maybe that was another spider ability. Had anxiety attacks. And just had to go into hiding for a while. I also don't know if a payphone is like the best place to like bear your soul on a voice message that you're not even really leaving. I was like, dude, I hope no one's standing next to you like waiting to use that phone. I was like, Dr. Connors is right there and he's about to become a villain in another franchise. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) He was a, I think he might have been the villain in the fourth movie if they had made one. Yeah. Which I, I still, I feel sad about that because... You know, the existence of the fourth movie is whatever, but I feel like it would have been cool to have, like, a side character from three movies, like, suddenly turn heel. Um, alas. Um, so we also get all this... Um, I don't know what you were going to talk about. I was going to talk about some of the um, the John Jameson stuff or the uh, costume in the trash can. <laughs> I am there in, like, one note. Um... The last thing I was going to say about Otto, um, before we get to, like, the gala or whatever, um, it's, like, pretty early to introduce him as a villain. Like, I guess they kind of did that with Goblin, too, but um, this scene where he becomes Doc Ock happens really early in the movie. Yeah, it does. Um, And then you kind of, like, don't really know what he's up to. It's very, actually, similar to Green, like, the first movie, where they're... He's got his own plot happening in the background and then they come together. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't feel like, oh, we just saw this. Like it, it still felt fresh, but it is kind of a similar um, outline that they used, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, Peter ends up getting the assignment from the Bugle to shoot this gala that's celebrating J. Jonah Jameson's son, who's an astronaut and also dating Mary Jane. And that's a whole thing. It's just drama city in there. So not only does he find out that MJ is now engaged to this dude, which is a problem for him on several levels, but Harry is also 
very drunk and pissed off. And it's not a good time for anyone involved. Also, Peter's the fucking worst once again with MJ. Of course. Like, you can't, you can't just let her be happy. And then all of that, he, he's causing problems left and right. And then he's not even getting the shots that he was, he was hired for in time. Come on, man. They do another similar thing, too, where with this whole anxiety stuff, he's like talking to the doctor and he's like, let's just say I had a dream that I was Spider-Man. No, scratch that. A friend of mine had a dream that he was Spider-Man. And I was like, OK, here we go again. You know, like, I, I, I tell all my friends my my dreams in, in extreme detail. Also, that doctor is like buck wild. What is the relationship that like? I, I could not figure out his vibe. He had a tie-dye shirt on, first of all. He's just like, nah, it's cool, man. This happens all the time. Dreams, am I right? Is he? <laughs> and then he's like, I'm not a psychiatrist, but here's some psychiatry advice or something like that. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, I was like, is he a physician? Is he a psychologist? Like, what's the vibe? This dude doesn't feel like a real doctor. I mean, Peter can't have good health insurance, and I feel like this is actually very accurate to the type of doctor he might see. I was gonna say this is where this is where the people in New York go that don't have insurance. Period. He he puts up signs with his phone number on it on phone poles. And then he does have this like dream, which is like what makes him decide like not to be Spider Man. It's like Uncle Ben coming to him to be like. To give him the whole spiel again. And I get that it's like not really Uncle Ben. It's like happening in his head. Another Harry Potter reference. But um, Uncle Ben is basically like you have to be Spider-Man. Like it's your responsibility. And I just feel like the real Uncle Ben would not be pressuring Peter to be Spider-Man. He'd be the first one to be like, no, follow your heart. Like you don't have to be Spider-Man. Like I agree. And it. I don't know. I, I also, know they're just using him as a vessel. Yeah, is it just like that's just, Peter's complex, like manifesting yes. itself as Ben? I think so. And I think that's like actually what's happening. So it's like not even necessarily like criticism, but I'm just yeah, to give Uncle I, Ben a, yeah. a benefit of the doubt here. Ben? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but I agree. He wouldn't. I don't think that's the stance he would actually take if he were around at this point. Did we, I guess we kind of skipped over the bank part, right? Are we, was that before or after the gala? I think it was before it, right? Oh, yeah, I didn't have any notes. Of, oh, wait, I did have a note about that, though. Oh, that's what it was. When I said Peter's the fucking worst, that wasn't even the MJ conversation. That was him just straight up leaving Aunt May at the bank. Because I know he was about to turn into Spider-Man, but still, he's just like, See ya. And she's like, don't leave me. And fuck Joe McHale is there being like, wow, your son's a coward. Also, great part for him. Yeah, this was pre-community. Pre the soup, probably. Or like right around the same time. Yeah, it probably was like prime soup era. This is like when his hair, he was losing his hair, but he He's... worked on getting that back. <laughs> He's like presented as like the blase, like... Like middle-aged white guy, which I think is funny because then in community, he still is like the blase middle-aged white guy, but he's also supposed to be like cool. Yeah. Well, this is a this is a good scene for Doc Ock. Uh, hell of a coincidence 
that Peter and May are in the same bank that he is robbing. There's only one bank in New York. Yeah, everybody knows that. The central bank. They give out free toasters. Well, not free. Or for $300 deposit. How much were they depositing? Couldn't like, have been very much. No way. And uh, that's the point where we get the Daily Bugle coining the name Doc Ock or Dr. Octopus. And poor Sam Raimi's brother <laughs> gets no credit. Although he tries to call him Doctor Strange. What a fun I know, that was out. a really funny reference. He's like, oh, no, that one's already taken. I was like, what is this Sam Raimi, like, dropping in here about Doctor Strange? I think Sam Raimi just, I think, like, one of his favorite characters is Doctor Strange. So that was just, like, a fun tie-in. And I, I want them to, like, do some joke about that with the new Doctor Strange. I didn't even put that together. Yeah. Wow. Um... The other thing that Sam Raimi likes to do is just have these, like, scenes where Tobey Maguire is walking down a street or just walking, like, a long shot of him walking. Yeah. And I'm like, Tobey Maguire's so awkward. Like, why are we just watching him walk and then, like, just be a doofus? <laughs> so he's best at. Like, it happens at least twice <laughs> in this movie. You're so right. He's just, like, doing this weird, like, kind of unbalanced walk also regarding that first doc ock fight as it's taken outside and aunt may is being taken hostage she has so much upper body strength she is hanging on a ledge holding her umbrella she's got the lord probably on her wearing side. gloves i think she is wearing gloves and then doc ock tanks like 10 spider-man punches to the jaw and then gets ko'd by aunt may's cane <laughs> Aunt May is also a secret superhero. Yeah. I that's mean, why she's that's been so stressed rapidly out. Rapidly becoming a parent. And all, none of the superheroes in this universe are getting paid. Yeah, Sam um, like makes that point in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And he's like, it's not like we get paid to do this. They should get paid. Which seems They should up. get yeah. paid. <laughs> They're basically working for the government. Once again, this is my note about Spider-Man being like... Or Peter being like, it's all or nothing. Like, I can be Spider-Man or I can't. Also, I can help people or I can't. So he, like, stops being Spider-Man and then sees someone that's in trouble and walks away. And I'm like, again, like, a normal person would at least try and help or, like, call for help. It's black or white. It's black or white for this guy. It's red or blue, you know? <laughs> the... The, I, I don't know. I think that montage when he quits is fun because it has like the raindrops keep falling on my head. Also, he gets he shoots a bike wheel out of his apartment window and I am shocked that it didn't kill somebody. It's not like it hit somebody's car, but like, come on, man. It's bad enough that you're not helping people. You don't have to actively be trying to harm the denizens of New York. I am like really happy to see him doing well, like working and going to school like this is all good stuff yeah and i guess that's the whole spider-man catch 22 it is it is i think that's even that's the core drive of this movie is just that predicament what do you make of him coming clean to aunt may about the night that uncle ben died uh well, one, let me say that I I genuinely think that that's some of 
Toby's best acting. Yeah, it's a good scene. It's like the way he's doing it is like very subtle and like he has like these awkward like ticks that make it totally believable. Um I mean, it's like it's rough, but I I think he had to do it cuz I think he has just he's bottled in too much and I don't think may needed to hear that especially like at the point that they were in in their lives but also like it had to come out i think it was good that he did and i think she did need to hear it i just didn't like the only part that i didn't like was that it felt contrived because she was saying that she blamed herself and i was like why would she she does like that is a dumb like oh because she said to drive him which she didn't she didn't insist that he drive or whatever. Like, she had nothing to do with any of that. Like, yeah. I think he should have just told her to tell her or, or like something else could have come up where like he needed to come clean. But like, yeah, they were just like having her blame herself. And I was like, I don't know about that. Yeah, that didn't seem right. But everything else I thought was good. And I think I think it was like the right thing. And then like, it doesn't really get resolved that well. Like, it's just like next time he sees her, she's like, it's all good. And I was like, okay, like we just had that really emotional scene and now it feels like it had no stakes. Yeah. But I don't know. I they had to keep it they had to keep it moving. Yeah. Um, so he is tested once again to be whether to be a good person or not. And this time, instead of just like intervening in like a mugging, it's like a full fledged apartment building fire. And I don't know what happens in New York, but why are there always children by themselves in Uh, burning building like i'm not trying to parent shame here but like how is this happening that a baby is by themselves in the first one and then this child is like locked themselves in a cabinet in the second one and the parents are both outside yeah like i i don't know what's happening there uh very good question i think that's that's like a good it's a great scene and it's so sad that like somebody else dies anyway. Yeah. Like that's rough. And I kind of forgot about that. Also. So that's like kind of like the catalyst to become, um, Spider-Man again. And then he also like goes and talks to Aunt May and she is like not subtle at all. And I'm like, I forgot that she like, I guess knows that he's Spider-Man and he's like, I need my comic books. (laughs) The comic books thing. May, why would you get rid of those? You're not even going to give them to the neighbor kid. He would he would probably appreciate those if you love Spider-Man so much. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, I'm at the train scene. I don't know what else happened, but that's oh, like the next okay. big thing for me. So we get this moment where Doc Ock goes to Harry to demand more of that tritium stuff oh, for right. his nuclear reactor. And... He basically Harry tells Doc Ock that he should go look for Peter because he knows that he takes pictures of Spider-Man and thinks that he for some reason thinks that Doc Ock will he's like sicking Doc Ock on Peter and is expecting him to not get hurt in the process. I'm like, do you know who this is? Like, do you not hear about him like killing all of those doctors already? Because he's leaving. He's like, don't hurt Peter. I'm like. You you cannot be serious. You're you're making friends with the wrong people if you don't want people to get hurt. But that's when Doc Ock finds Peter when he's having another 
infuriating conversation with MJ in that coffee shop after oh my she God. breaks it off with uh, the astronaut. She doesn't. She doesn't break it off well, with the astronaut. She thinks about it. Isn't that's basically like what the gist of that is, right? Like if well, you're, she's like, if you're down, I'm down, and then she's like, never mind, I'm gonna get married to him. Yeah, you fucking dick. But then, I mean, she's not making great choices, but I stand by that Peter's making worse choices. Oh, for sure. And he's kind of saved by the bell. That conversation did not have to go on for another excruciating minute because Doc Ock throws a car through the window, which is a great scene, and his spidey sense very fortunately comes back at the right time because otherwise they would have gotten pancaked by a Honda Civic. And once again, Mary Jane is the damsel in distress. Yeah. This is all the screaming that I was talking about. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter whether Peter's dating her or not. Nope. Nope. She's just going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. (laughs) Perpetually. And we get this great scene where Jameson has the Spider-Man costume hanging on his wall and is finally, for the one time in his life, has one good thing to say about Spider-Man. And then Peter, unfortunately, proves his claims of him being a criminal correct because he just, he steals the costume back. I mean, I know it's it was never Jameson's property, but I feel like Jameson is now vindicated for the rest of his career. And then he chases Octopus and we get the iconic train scene. And we get kind of a new power. I don't know. Maybe they just decided to use this in this movie. But like he creates just like webs. Yeah. Like fully fledged webs that like people can land on, which is interesting. I'm wondering if like the only reason that that wasn't in the first one was just because of like CGI problems or it was just like too much or something yeah i mean i like it i think it's fun yeah this scene is so the train so good yeah it also reminds me of the fairy scene in the tom holland spider-man oh for sure where he's like trying to hold the fairy together. i think that was very much a deliberate callback but he didn't have iron man to come save him in this one he just had the people the good people of new york I mean, once again they, they, really, they always come through for him I just like Doc Ock is so such a savage for for doing this, like at at no inclination, just threatens to murder, like however many hundreds of people fit on like a line of subway cars. It also like doesn't seem like a good way to get him to James Franco to Harry. Like he's just like distracting him for a while. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the logic was there or lack thereof. Maybe the arms were like, you know what? Maybe just, yeah, I, I don't know what the plan was. And Sam Raimi really wanted a body surfing scene, <laughs> which was, that was bad. It's very, I wish they would have just like dragged his body back through or whatever. I mean, or just laid it down right where he was. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It was just dumb. I gotta say though, this has got to be the single best example of Spider-Man's strength in any of these movies. Oh, for sure. Uh, nothing else even comes close. I mean, like he is ripping off like structural supports from multiple skyscrapers trying to slow this thing down. And he just passes out from the sheer exhaustion of it. And I think that's just like, I mean, yeah, the body surfing 
and like some of the dialogue in the scene is whatever. But that is just like he basically just put his life on the line at like a moment's notice. And that's, you know, he's he's back to being Spider-Man for a very short time at this point. And it's just so good. And of course, everybody sees his face and they're super chill about it. And a fun fact about that is, you know, he's laying there. He realizes that he doesn't have his mask on. And then two kids bring the mask back, which has been, you know, miraculously fixed at some point. Uh, those two kids on the train are Tobey Maguire's half-brothers. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Um, he takes his mask off a lot in this movie. He's doing a real bad job of his, like, secret identity. Yeah. Some of it's, like, not his fault, but, like, he, like, literally pulls it off multiple times. Is that a contractual obligation for this one? <laughs> Let me show know. my face more. I I guess it was mostly because, like, I think Doc Ock likes to go for the face, so it always breaks one of his yeah. lens. I guess that's, like, the plot reason. But, uh, Yeah. And you, you compared that scene to the end of um, Miles Morales, the game, which in which a similar situation yeah, happens. Yeah, like, his identity is, like, somewhat revealed, but, like, the community, like, keeps the secret and, like, and, and like, not that they necessarily know who that is, but, like, they don't even want to see his face. They're like, we don't, we don't need to know who yeah, you are. Yeah, they're chill about it. And we, that's like a little different because that's set in modern day. Obviously there's phones and stuff in this one. Yeah. We talked about it in this one where like none of these people, like unless there happened to be someone on that train who was like, I know Peter Parker and I've seen his face. They just think it's some guy. Right. And then you can tell people that, oh, I've seen Spider-Man's face. Like, okay. It's just some young white kid. Yeah. (laughs) Um... The other thing, this has nothing to do with anything other than the time period that it's in, I guess. Like, Friends the movie, Friends the TV show, was 1996, 1994 to 2004. Or no, 1996 to 2006. And a lot of the female characters in that don't wear bras. I guess it's just of that time period. And... Whoever does the costuming for this was like, you know who also doesn't need a bra ever? MJ. And that's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> I'm not saying if it's a good or a bad thing, but I did feel like I was in an episode of Friends multiple times. If you've watched, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> There's a lot of that going There's on. There's like, it's in the first movie too. Okay, so of course, following the train scene, Doc Ock, maybe it was his grand plan to, he's like, I know a way to get Spider-Man to pass out. <laughs> Brings him to Harry. And basically just uh, drops him off to to do what he will with him. But little does Harry know. This was a great scene to me as well, because it's very short. It is. But I also like that it's short because like if it wasn't for the sense of urgency in the plot, this could have been, you know, extended over like a a long amount of time, because obviously there's a lot to talk about. And I feel like at some point Harry would have just tried to kill him anyway. But I I think um, Peter just he could have, you know, had some snipe back at Harry about like how his dad was the goblin. Yeah, he never tells him. He doesn't. He's just like very much like I like I understand. But like 
there is other stuff that we have to worry about. And I contrast that with how Peter behaves in the third movie when he's under like the venom influence and he's being super antagonistic and spiteful to Harry about like everything that's happened between them. And I, that's inst- like, there's been more instigation in that, but um, I don't know. I like how it, it handles it. And then you're kind of just left with, you know, Harry just kind of has to sit there and just think about everything now. And he already wasn't in a good place and we know where he ends up. Yeah. My thought on that, which I know that's not so later, like at least Norman had kind of an excuse for why he became green goblin. Like he went through that whole procedure, but like Harry's just like straight up embracing it and is like hearing his dad and like hasn't gone through any sort of procedure. He's just like driven to that on his own yeah, accord. He's just had a complete breakdown. And another piece of trivia um, about that, and I can only find this on the IMDb trivia section, so I guess take it with a grain of salt, is that that Willem Dafoe cameo wasn't scripted really, and it was a result of him, he like, kind of came across the set and saw Sam Raimi and went to like go talk and they were like, okay, maybe we can work you in and have you show up in this part. Weird. I don't know if I buy that though. Cause that seems pretty important to Harry, like making that next step. I don't know, but I wonder what they would have done. Like if not that, I guess just like, they just him, like discovered it. I bet they would have had him throw like a glass of whiskey or something. And it would yeah. break it. Um, well, so the last big fight is at the, like, factory or whatever, and, um, I didn't really have much notes on the fight other than at the end, just said Spider-Man loves a callback quote, and, like, quotes Takak back to him about, um, his intelligence being a privilege. He's like, let me let me play the Uno reverse card on you, bud. Yeah, and is like weird with MJ and being like, hey there, how's it going? I'm I'm Spider Man, by the way. I do like when he's like, this is really heavy. <laughs> I yeah. think that's a, like obviously, there's no time to be chatting. I think this fight, I remember it like lasting longer, but it it doesn't take too much. Um, I I guess it's like due to. Peter's clever planning on like how he he like electrocutes Doc Ock and it breaks the arms a little bit. It doesn't take too long to convince him to to do the right thing, um, which makes me think that like you know the he still had his his conscience was in there somewhere. But you know if if he hadn't gotten to him at this point, you know, we, Otto would be gone forever. It's only the tentacles, and it's a uh, pretty uh pretty rough that he just had to drown himself. Yeah. And also, like, I guess the, the thing goes out, right? Like, the fusion reactor yeah. like, blinks out. I was like, otherwise, is this thing just, like, floating at the bottom of the river? I feel like they barely even show it. And, like, maybe Doc Ock's not even dead, you know? Yeah. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> you know? Didn't... It's it's weird. If we had been doing this podcast about this movie, I don't know, even a year ago... The idea of there being some continuation of this plot would have been a non-starter, but now, like... Oh, I don't even mean because of the new trailer coming out. I just mean, like, you never see him die. 
Yeah. So, and that's like just a common. Yeah. I guess I just assume that he's already dead when we see him like floating. I mean, I also assume that he died. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but who's who's to say? Um, and then and we get the Harry thing. Yeah. We talked about, and then we get a wedding. We do get a wedding. Ish. And. Again, this is belongs in a different movie. This goes with the Peter can't have it all rom com. <laughs> it really does. Stop. Her running through Central Park in her wedding dress—that is not. Like, stop trying to make MJ and Pete a thing. A thing. Like, I don't care. I don't want them to be together. Like, I hate to say this about Kirsten Dunst, but I just want her to leave the the, the franchise. Like, I just don't want this anymore. It's so annoying. Yeah. It's and and I don't remember if that's how I felt the first time I saw these, but like watching it now, I just find it so tiresome. I'm like MJ, do you know what happens in the next movie? Leave, <laughs> the red flags are all over the place. Also, it was pointed out to us that this was a pretty decently sized wedding party. A couple bridesmaids there who are all presumably friends of MJ's. How, what's her explanation? Well, she wrote a note. You you gotta think that if if she has these friends, she's probably talking to them about relationships and probably venting about how annoying Peter has been <laughs> over the last couple of years. So I'm just I'm envisioning this conversation with the the bridesmaid that like runs up with the note, which is probably like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you you cannot. You're about to marry an astronaut and you're going to go back to that guy. Well, she shouldn't be with him, period, because she's like in love with somebody else. Like, right. I'm not. It's not that like, I don't think that she should have married him anyway, but it's also like. I'm just imagining that all of her friends and family are like, what are you doing? I think Jameson's the only one making sense here to like try and save some money on that reception. Yeah. Because you know her parents aren't paying for it. No, don't open that caviar. I don't know why you need caviar at a wedding, but... Bougie. Oh, man. So, yeah, we end this with, I guess, MJ kind of being okay with Peter being Spider-Man, but probably not really. And... I mean, she definitely says she's okay in this one and is like, you gotta go do your thing. Next movie is going to be a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think there's a shot at like the very end of this. That's like her, like looking out a window and I don't know if it's intentional or not, but to me that kind of looks like that's already like kind of telling like, yes, I'm like, I said like, go, go get him tiger. And like, I'm here, but like, is this really what I want? Oh, I took the window thing being like, there goes my, my guy. There my bug. goes my hero. Basically, that's what should have played at the end instead yeah. of the dashboard confessional that they wrote a song for the movie. And apparently they wrote it in uh, the 10 minutes immediately after watching a test screening. Interesting. It's very inspirational, you know. <laughs> so we've made it to the end. What was your favorite scene from this one? You go first. It's the train scene. I think this has everything. This encapsulates like everything that I like about these movies. It's a daring act of heroism. It's like a cool glimpse into how the community feels about Spider-Man. 
and it's just like a really well done scene um, in terms of like the action scenes in this trilogy. This one is probably number one and it's definitely number one in this movie. Yeah, mine's probably a train scene, too. I was trying to think if there's another scene that, like, really stood out to me. And I can't really think of any. Yeah, I mean, I I think this movie is, like, a really good sequence of events. And, like, a lot of the set pieces are really cool. But, like, the train one, just it just stands out. And it's long, too. I think that's part of the reason why it sticks with me so much. Should we play any games? Yeah, I I have an interesting head-to-head. And uh, this kind of like leads into, you know, our, our next uh, sighting of Doc Ock. Imagine Tom Holland's Spider-Man being slotted into this movie. How do you think he would have fared against Doc Ock? I'm just trying to think, like, how, how different would, like, this train thing have gone? If we had Tom Holland, and let's say, to make it more, like, unique, Tom Holland in the iron spider suit i think that spider-man powers manifest differently in the tom holland one like yes he is supposed to be strong but like i feel like they focus on different things in the toby Maguire runs versus the other ones i don't think we really see tom holland in like hand-to-hand combat very much Mm-mm. um like his one of his big moments in the first one is like obviously the uh, mo- the Washington Monument scene. Yeah, and I mean I know he does fight Falcon or Vulture. No, Vulture, sorry, um, <laughs> but it's like from a from a very different like way than Tobey Maguire would fight. I I if I recall correctly for. Um, Spider-Man Homecoming, they intentionally had him not throw any punches. He never throws a punch in that yeah, movie. Yeah, and I think that seems right for Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I think that he would be more creative with how he tried to defeat Doc Ock. Like, I think he would definitely, like, web the tentacles, like, to other things and, yeah. like, do things like that. Like, I think... I know I rag on Toby Maguire and this is just going to be like a pile on, but I think <laughs> that we're only told that Toby Maguire is smart. We don't actually see him being smart, that Peter Parker. And I think we see Tom Holland's Peter Parker, like be very smart and be very intentional when he is fighting. Like he's really analyzing the whole scene and like what, um, what he can use to his advantage. And I don't feel like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man does that. I agree with you. And that's what I was going to say. Like if you had, if you had had a different answer, his like ingenuity is his like real strength. Like, like you said, obviously Tom Holland can still like, you know, stop Bucky from punching him or like hold up one of those things at the airport. But it's, yeah, it's not to this level at least but like, like we yeah, haven't seen it hand to hand or like closer combat. I think Tom Holland would be beaten to a pulp. Yeah. Like if this, if Tom Holland Spider-Man fought <laughs> Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, it just like with no special equipment or anything, which it doesn't really explain why to- Tobey Maguire can like through punches and stuff. Like that's not inherently like his powers. Like, yes, he's strong, but like, 
How can you throw a punch? Like, you've never done that before other than your little wrestling foray. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. He never really trains. Okay, here's a head-to-head-to-head to head to head ah. for you. Spider-Man v. Spider-Man v. Spider-Man. Okay. Andrew so, Garfield, like, Tom, Tom McGuire, and Tom the reason Holland. The reason I posited, um, like, the Tom Holland Spider-Man for my hypothetical is because, like, I don't... The differences between Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spiders Man, I can't think about like what that would mean for like action sequences. But well, I I, I do think both of Toby and Andrew would wipe the floor with Tom. Tom is first out. Really? I think so. I don't know. I'm I'm keeping Tom in. Yeah. I mean, well, that was just on, like, the basis of, like, what you said, like, hand-to-hand combat. Well, I didn't... Okay, well... My head-to-head doesn't have to be hand-to-hand. It's just them fighting each other. Okay. That could make things a bit more interesting, then. Because we have... Tom Holland's Spider-Man has so many, mostly gadgets, that we don't see from... The other guys don't have gadgets like that. Um, I mean, Andrew Garfield just has his wrist web shooters, but... I think Andrew Garfield's first out for me. I think so, too. And then I think Tom Holland would win. I think... I do think if, if Tom Holland had access to, like, his full, like, armory of stuff... I don't even mean all this stuff. I think that he's smarter about fighting. Yeah. I think Toby I mean, Maguire is to stronger. Or at yeah. least they show him being stronger physically. Yeah. I think he He's would... also older. Like, Tom Holland's just, like, younger and hasn't been doing it as long. Yeah. I think it would be close. I don't know. I don't know who I would call that for. Also, Tom Holland has had more practice with like bigger villains. Yeah. Or not even villains, just like bigger cats in the game. Yeah. Like the, the Mysterio, what Mysterio was doing was bigger than. Yeah. But even just like being in uh, Civil War, like mm-hmm. he's playing with big, with the big guns. That's true. That's very true. He is fighting on another. He level. went up against Thanos. Yeah, he didn't do too great, though. Well, But he did go up against him. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we will, uh, maybe they're going to fight each other first. I mean, if, if we get a classic pointing at each other. That devolves into a brawl. <laughs> well. Anything could happen. Oh, in yeah. In the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. I mean, I really hope we do get that, because I think that would be wildly entertaining. Well, uh, this was a, another fun entry in our Spider-Man marathon. We know that this is a greatly beloved entry in the Spider-Man film uh, canon. And if we didn't talk about any of your favorite parts, if we ragged on something that you love, or if you just want to let us know uh, what you think about the movie and how these characters might tie into No Way Home, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, and write us a review, send us a message, our social needs are... Some variation of Into the Superverse are in the the description notes. Yeah. And until next time, we are out out of the the superverse. superverse.